It's an honor uh, to be with you all again tonight. So we're going to dive right into the word tonight and pick up from where we left off. But I'm going to do a quick recap um, where we left off last week. So if you want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, we have been studying the Holy Spirit now for, man, five, is this week five? This is week five, uh, counting home church weekend. I think this is week five, uh, studying the Holy Spirit. And we have, we have got to get this. <laughs> Amen? Like, if we don't understand the Holy Spirit, if we don't understand his influence on our lives, if we don't understand his empowerment in us and, and his identity in us, we are gonna be useless for the kingdom and, and so much is gonna be thwarted. Uh, it is crucial. I have been so frustrated this last month. I was telling uh, some of the teaching team about this. One of the greatest frustrations I've ever had. I am, I am very much a handyman. I owned a construction business for a while. Uh, for the most part, I can fix anything. But this last month, we had the toilet clog to end all toilet clogs. If you've ever had that toilet clog, um, like literally, like I'm plunging it right, usually a plunger takes care of anything, no problem. Um, no go, it didn't work. So I, I, I have a snake, so I grab the snake, you know the plumbing snake, snake it, I snake it, nothing happens. This thing's still not not budging. I grab a hose. I got the snake and a power hose and like a power converter and I am shoving it up there and I'm like, what is going on? This thing is not draining. It's not flowing. And it was literally a, a tormentuous three weeks and we had to like lock our, our downstairs bathroom because no guests could use it because it was so embarrassing. Like it doesn't flush. It doesn't flush and I can't figure out why. And then I decided like we, we just got to do, we just got to do the whole thing. We got to take the whole toilet off, take it to the backyard, go up from underneath, go it like from every, and we got to just go the whole enchilada or maybe even buy a new toilet. So I take it off, put it in the backyard and I'm going after this thing. And I, when I get in there, I find this massive, I'm talking at least this big, a rock that, that one of my kids stuck down the toilet and it was not going anywhere. And it was a disaster to try to get out of there and, and it was the perfect rock too, because it was only like this thick, but it was this wide. It was like a, the perfect skipping rock. If you're a professional lake skipper, rock skipper, which I do take pride in that, if anybody wants to compete against me someday, that's so much fun, skipping some rocks. This was the perf perfect rock skipping rock, and it was huge, but it was wedged in there just the right way that some water would flow, but like it would lodge back up when you try to, it was the... It was just the, the devil, like, in a rock form, I think, in my toilet. And, I, and I'm struggling with this, wrestling with this. We get it out of there. We put the toilet back on. Everything's flowing smoothly. It's a wonderful day. Everybody knows, like, you don't, you don't appreciate your toilet until it doesn't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's got to be the appliance in our house that we take most for granted, because when it doesn't work, like we can deal without the fridge working, maybe we can figure it out. We're pretty modern technology. We can deal without the oven. But when your toilet doesn't work, it's over. You're, it's over. It's just all. It's done. It's done. Uh, and that's how we. That's how we felt this like last month. And and as I'm duking this out with the Lord, because I'm I'm praying. Like I'm like rebuking this toilet. I don't know. I'm trying everything. I'm praying like Lord flush anything. And I know it's always God going to be speaking to me through something through it. And I felt the Lord's frustration uh, when he's like, you know, that's, 
it's kind of like how my church sees herself sometimes as, as this toilet. And it's sad that we see ourselves so degrading. But the more sad part is that when there's a, when there's a clog and the, and the Holy Spirit isn't flowing and able to move and able to keep us clean and able to keep us free and able to literally produce life in the house, like it is the most frustrating thing. And the Lord is like, man, I wish my bride saw herself different than a toilet, literally saw herself like I see the Queen of England. Like you think about how you see the Queen of England, or, you know, and I, and I know uh, she recently passed, but the the... Um, impact that she had on society, the, the, the dignity she carried, the honor that she carried. And God's like, I, I see you that way. Like, this is my bride, bride of royalty. And, and unfortunately, we see ourselves as toilet. And, and, and also, there's a lot of things that, that keep us from the Holy Spirit flowing and enabling all of our power and all of the power that Christ wants to push through us. So this is what we're going after in the second Corinthians passage is, Lord, just like break free anything that's causing you not to flow freely in my life, anything that I'm not fully surrendered to, anything where, where there's just a power block in, in, in your love pouring through me, in your grace pouring through me, in your generosity pouring through me, in, in me understanding how righteous and holy I am because I think I'm still a sinner and all these things, we're praying for God to just flush this train. Like, God, free me up. Free me up. Give me a new identity. And I know we're gonna be preaching on that here in the next couple weeks in Holy Spirit and identity and listening to the Holy Spirit. But I'm gonna, we're gonna go back after it here in 2 Corinthians chapter two. I wanna recap my notes really quick. Mm. But I want to start with this. Ephesians chapter one, uh, Marcus sent me this verse. Marcus, actually, I threw this in the notes without you knowing, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> he likes to have the notes up on screen. And I appreciate that so much. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says this. And because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. And now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. So if you believed in Jesus Christ, if you are a saved, born again believer, you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and said, I turn from my sin, I believe I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin and I trust God with my whole heart, with my whole life, he is Lord of everything. And you are born again. This reality is yours that you have the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's like your wedding ring from God saying, I'm sealing you with the Holy Spirit. And this is the starting foundation. So we have Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you what this means before we dive into 2 Corinthians. Um, God visits, throughout the scriptures, God visits a lot of places. A lot of times God falls fresh on some place, God fills some atmosphere, God, God comes and visits somebody or, or, or a people group or uh, wipes out a, an, an opposing army. God visits a lot of places. God only indwells and habits inhabits perfect and holy places. God only indwells and he only inhabits perfect holy places. He'll visit anywhere, but he only lives in holiness. And for him to come in and dwell you, 
<laughs> this, is, this is craziness. This is absolute craziness. And let me say this. We think we're getting ready to talk about 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It is the chapter in the Bible that mentions the word glory more than any other chapter in the whole entire Bible. And mixed with the word spirit more than any other chapter in the whole Bible. So we're about to relate spirit to glory. We're about to touch God's glory, which that concept is mind-blowing in and of itself. The weightiness, the goodness of God. Moses asked to see God's glory, and God said, I will let my goodness pass before you, but just the end. You'll only see the tail end of it. I'm going to cover you, because if you actually saw all of my glory, you would die. And so we're about to touch on this topic of glory. And, and when we read the Bible, sometimes we think the most glorious beings in the Bible are angels, right? Uh, we see these radical stories where angels stand before people, and angels bring this awe and this fear and this whatever it is. Angels are these incredible beings. And we'd say, man, probably as far as like these relative beings that they are, we don't understand these angels are kind of like spirit beings can turn into human form too. They're probably the most glorious thing that human has ever seen to some degree. Do you know that God does not indwell angels? God doesn't indwell angels. They literally are just reflections of his glory because they come from his temple in heaven. They come from his glory and they come to minister to you who literally carry the fullness of his glory. You literally inhabit the fullness of his holiness. He chose you to dwell in. He does not dwell in angels. This is, this is gotta take us to a different level in our understanding as Christians. If angels are this powerful, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and they're this glorious, A, B, C, you go through and make your list of all the glory and all the power, and then God says, now you are my temple, and you were created in my image. Angels weren't created in my image, you were. And now you literally have me inside of you, and you are my temple, and you have all of the glory and the fullness of Jesus Christ and you're seated with me in this place of authority and dominion and power and glory. Okay, that's a lot. I'm just gonna get that out there. I just had to start there. We're gonna go, go into 2 Corinthians. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter two. I'm just gonna recap my notes from last week, and then we're gonna jive in, uh, jump in. Dive, jump and dive is jive. We're gonna jive in to chapter three. Um, Holy Spirit in us, Chapter two, verse 14, leads us in triumph and victory in Christ. Holy Spirit in us diffuses the fragrance of Christ. Life to those who are coming into life and death to those who, who, are, going to, who are dying, who are not in Christ. Um, Holy Spirit in us refuses to water down God's word. Holy Spirit in us purifies our motives. And then the start of chapter three, uh, verses one and two. Holy Spirit in us releases us from self-promotion and from self-validation. Jesus Christ literally is my identity. Uh, verse three, Holy Spirit in us produces living letters written by Christ himself. Paul was speaking that and got to share that with you guys last week. And then we kind of had to cut it short here on verses four through six. Uh, so grab your Bibles, open your phones uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter three, verses four through six. Here we go. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God, yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength 
or of true competence, our true competence, our abilities, flows from God's empowering presence. He is in us, he is for us, he is with us, he indwells us. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. We're gonna focus on this tonight. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the spirit, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. The spirit pours out life. So here's the, the first point, and I know I mentioned these, if you guys were here last Saturday on Sunday, I didn't even get to these points even <laughs> close. But Holy Spirit in us gives confidence in our union with Christ, humbles us in our inadequacies apart from Christ, and is the only thing producing true power. The only thing producing true power. The only thing giving life. The only thing giving life. And this is, this is getting ready to get into the glory that we share with Christ. So we've got we've to grasp this, how, how effective Holy Spirit is in us. Because the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. I'm not going to dive into that right now. I'm going to dive into that at the end of my, my message here. Because I want to share an illustration with you that's going to bring a little more light to that. Uh, but take that point. Take that point and run with it. Holy Spirit in us gives confidence in our union with Christ. I know that I am in Christ. I know that he is in me. And I know because of that I am holy and perfected, I'm perfected by his grace and his mercy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So this humbles us, keeps us humble in our inadequacies because apart from Christ we produce nothing. We produce nothing that bears life and nothing that bears fruit for the kingdom for eternity. We're not living for this life. You don't know if you're going to live tomorrow. I'm just be honest. Nobody's promised tomorrow. I'm a, I'm a chaplain. I'm a first responder to all the people who thought they had tomorrow. Sit in a lot of hospitals. And God gives us one life. He says, live worthy of the calling. The high calling that you are in Christ. And lay up all your treasures in heaven. Because this earth fades fast. And only what you do for Christ will last for eternity. There's literally a reward system in heaven. There's literally a placement system of your authority in heaven and what you get to delegate and what you get to do in heaven. There is a whole new Jerusalem coming. There's a whole new earth and a new heaven coming. A new world and a new, new heaven. And Jesus is king. It's a monarchy. And it's gonna be awesome. And it's all righteousness and beauty and holiness. But it's not, uh, it's not socialistic in who gets to do what in heaven. There's rewards. Read the New Testament. There's rewards. And there is responsibilities given in, in the new kingdom, in the new Jerusalem. And we're laying everything up for that reality. Let's, let's dive into verse uh, seven through eight. Here we go. Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, there's that word, means weightiness, goodness. Just the, if you could think of the fullness of God and attempt to define that, <laughs> they pack it into one word called glory, which is mind-blowing. Though it produced death, the law produced death, the law produced death. Hang on to that thought. I'm gonna illustrate it at the end. Wait, what was this thing that was so glorious, this whole Old Testament law, this Mosaic law, and it brought some form of glory literally to the degree that Moses was shining, physically had to cover and veil his face. Though it produced death, the end of verse seven, 
The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on a glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. So you've got a glorious reality called this covenant that God's, God makes, this mosaic covenant and the law that we've received. But the law is just producing in all of its glory and all of its beauty and the fact that it was handed down from God and it's so righteous and it's so holy and you guys can read all 614 laws in the, in the Old Testament and you can read the 10 commandments and you can read this and be like, wow, that's incredible. This is how you find life. If you just do this perfectly, you will just know life and perfection. Yes, that's it. That's why it produced death. <laughs> that's why it caused everybody to walk in constant condemnation and shame. And that's why we knew the depths of our, of our humility and our humanness because all it did was radiate the glory and the perfection and the holiness of God because we were so incapable of, of accomplishing this glorious standard. Yet God gave it to us. Here's perfection, good luck. But that was never his plan. That was never his plan. Let's keep going. Yet how much more radiant. Watch out, here it comes. <laughs> if that was glorious, if that was incredible, if that's what all the Jewish people today, Orthodox Jews, base their whole religion and their whole life off of, the book, the, book, uh, the Pentateuch, the book of Moses, the law, they base everything off of that. If that was the glory, if that was it, how much more radiant, verse eight, is the new and glorious ministry of the spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? So the ministry that we have and what Christ has imparted is so much more radiant and glorious and beautiful and perfect. We say, oh, great, cool. Thanks, Josh. That's awesome. We got to get this. We got to get this. I'm going to get through this and we're going to share, I'm going to share an illustration. Um, So Holy Spirit in us produces radiant, permanent glory. Man, these are some weighty thoughts, but just hold on to them. The Holy Spirit in us produces a radiant and permanent glory, the glory of God, the beauty of God, the perfection of God, the goodness of God contained in a human person. So, it's far excelling in glory, the end of verse nine. Um, verse 10, what once was glorious no longer holds any glory. Oh, whoa. What once was glorious now no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. Jesus came to do a brand new thing. And what a lot of Christians are doing today, and I'm gonna demonstrate this, I promise, hang in there, are trying to add the the latter glory, trying to add the beauty of Jesus to the former glory. Like, let's just still try to do all the good things to get to heaven and try to obey all the laws and try not to touch this and try not to eat this and try, try so hard not to do bad or be bad. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Because Jesus said, I'm not saying don't try to be bad because that was the form of glory. There is a new glory here and you can't have both. The new glory says you are not bad. You are perfect and you are holy and you are righteous. So now let that permeate through you so perfectly that 
that you just don't even know what sin is. You're literally entering back into Adam and Eve before the curse where they were unconscious of good and evil. They ate from the tree of good and evil. They ate from the tree of knowing what is now good and what is evil. They had no consciousness of that reality because all they knew was righteousness and the Father's love. It's all they knew. They had no concept of good and evil. And then the law brought the reality and the condemnation of good versus evil now and how holy God is. And now Jesus comes and he erases all of that and says, you're holy, you're perfect, you're righteous, my blood pays for it all. Just, just make me Lord of your life, make me master and, and live in my freedom because my spirit frees you. That's the end of this chapter. And we say like, okay, Lord, that sounds like a good concept, but I still think I'm kind of bad. All right, here we go. I gotta, we gotta take care of that. Uh, the fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of the permanent impartation of glory. So, verse 12, then, with this amazing hope living within us, we step out in freedom and in boldness to speak the truth. So I mentioned these points last week. We're still touching on them here. Verse nine, Holy Spirit in us imparts Christ's righteousness. This is crucial. This is the reason God even can indwell you because before he couldn't touch you but now he wants to indwell you because you're perfect. That's crazy. And then all the way to verse 12, Holy Spirit in us produces hope, which produces freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Hope and freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Verse 13, we are not like Moses who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from starting or from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened. For even to this day, that same veil covers their minds when they hear the word of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. There is freedom. Holy Spirit in us opens our minds and softens our hearts and grants us repentance and acknowledging and the acknowledgement of Christ and to turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Holy Spirit as Lord. Salvation is not, Jesus, I know that you're God, because even the demons believe and they tremble. Salvation is saying, Jesus, I know you're God, and I receive you to literally take full control of my life so that I will be fully obedient to you and your righteousness and fully indwell in you and your glory and holiness, and I want you to take full control of everything that I am. And I only want to live in obedience to you. I am now a bond servant, a bond slave, the Bible puts it to you. Bond slaves don't, don't get to tell the master what they're doing. Slaves don't get to tell the master what they're doing. They don't get to make up their agenda. They get to say, yes, Lord, what's on the agenda today? Yes, Lord, how can you use me? Yes, Lord, what are we building? How can you empower me? What are the tools and the gifts I have today? We are bond servants of Christ and in that we are liberated to walk in his righteousness and to change the world for the kingdom of heaven and to literally destroy the works of the devil to the full. 
So Holy Spirit in us opens up our minds and softens our hearts and grants us the repentance to acknowledge and turn to Jesus Christ. And only through the Holy Spirit can you do this. Only through the Holy Spirit can you, can you literally be born again and, and have the ability to repent and turn to Jesus and make him Lord. There's a lot of people out there trying to become Christians and trying to, well, yeah, I, I, wanna, I wanna get to heaven. I want the get out of hell free card. Please, get out of hell free. Like, I kind of want to still live in my sin. I kind of want to live as a master of my own life. I kind of still want to do my own thing. But if I don't have to go to hell, that would be awesome. That would be really awesome. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm signing you up for. That has nothing to do with what I'm signing you up for. Heaven's kind of like a byproduct to the little cherry on top. I want to indwell you. And I want to literally... Uh, I think of like transformers, like you're gonna become the outer layer. You still have the flesh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna control you and rule and reign and, and be the power through you to change lives and to love people. And it's not gonna be about you anymore. It's gonna be about my kingdom and my glory. And when we preach the gospel, we've gotta say, hey, this is actually what you're signing up for because the get out of hell free card doesn't work. Um, you're declaring Holy Spirit is Lord. He's master and he has everything. And when he does that, oh, it's glorious what he does to your life and how free you get liberated from sin and self. Verse 17, verse 17. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and where he is Lord, there is freedom. Holy Spirit in us grants us the grace to release control of our lives, making him Lord and master, which in turn liberates us completely. Liberates us completely, and I'm gonna get a little bit more into that in a second. Verse 18, let's finish this up. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So now when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is now starting to transform you. He literally says you become this mirror that just kind of instead of where you were aimed, this mirror that was aimed at the world and you just reflected everything of the world, like, oh, I, I intake this, so I reflect this. My identity is found in my job. My identity is found in my workplace. My identity is found in my, other, in my kids or my motherhood or my fatherhood or my identity is found in the cool car that I own. My identity is found in my sin because I'm really bad and I've screwed everything up. What, your mirror was here and you were reflecting everything that you saw, you touched, you, you were just this reflection of the world. And now he says, I'm just gonna aim your mirror up and all you're gonna do is reflect this light. Have you guys ever like, when you were kids, like burnt an ant on the ground and you like took the mirror and like took the sun and just like fried that? I don't, I love animals, I love bugs. They're beautiful things. God made them part of his glory. I admit I've done that before. Uh, we become this mirror. He says, I just aim you up and now your eyes are so radiant on Christ, your eyes are so radiant on God, you're fixated on the glory of God and the presence of God so much so that my light, my consuming fire and my righteousness and my love will just stream through you and you'll be facing me, you'll be pursuing intimacy, you'll be pursuing love with me, you'll be pursuing relationship here and you're just gonna wreck everybody's lives with beauty and love and their sin is gonna fall off. I'm just telling you, it's gonna mess up the whole culture. Literally Acts says that the apostles turned over, flipped over, turned upside 
shouted down the whole known world at the time. In like 50 years, 40 years. Because they knew who they were in Christ and they knew they needed a filling of the Holy Spirit just to reflect God and his glory. So verse 18, Holy Spirit in us transforms us into the image of Christ, always moving us to greater levels of glory and to greater levels of radiance. We're To the degree that our mirror is more and more facing Christ and we get this revelation, the more and more that he can flow through us, the more and more that his power consumes us and everybody around us. So I'm gonna ask for a couple volunteers because we're gonna read a couple chapters before I get into, or not chapters, <laughs> some of you got really scared, a couple passages uh, before I get into an illustration. Do I have a couple people who would read for us? I wanna read three passages and just meditate on them. And they're gonna be up on the screen because I wanna read them in the Passion Translation. So just three people who would wanna read three different passages. We have one right here. And then do I have two others? Two others who would just read out loud? One right here and one right here. Okay, one, two, three. We're gonna read first. If we can get, yes, mics to everybody. We're gonna start off in Galatians 2. If you guys wanna follow us on the screen or in your Bibles. Galatians 2, 19 through 21. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live in God. My old identity has been crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Whoa. Oh yeah, keep going. Still one <laughs> so more that is why I don't view God's grace as something peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, then Christ would have died for nothing. So if you're still trying to live by the law, if you're still trying to live by good works, if you're still trying to earn your way to heaven in some form, Christ died for nothing. I mean, I remember memorizing this verse in, uh, I don't remember what it was, New King James Version or something like that, ESV. And it says, like, for me to live is Christ. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Did you hear what he just said? It's not even him who's living anymore. This is not even me anymore. Like, it's just Christ. It's just Jesus. I have laid down everything that was my own selfish ambition. I just want people to know and get Jesus. And they're only gonna do that if Jesus rules and reigns in my life and I've laid it all down. And by my faith in him, he just permeates everything. And I, I'm letting go. It is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. This next verse that we're gonna read, Romans chapter eight, one through six. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Come on. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Mm. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. Wow. And we are free to live 
not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Let's leave that verse up right there. For the senses and reasoning that are controlled by the flesh will always lead you to death. But the mind that's completely controlled by the Holy Spirit will find life and peace. So now, Christian, we come to this place where I know who I am in Christ. I know that I'm liberated. But there are two reigning laws in the world. The law of sin and death and the law of righteousness and peace. Life and peace. And you get to choose every second of every day which law you're going to obey. Because you have to obey the law. But you get to choose which one you obey. And only in the Old Testament, only before Christ, was everyone forced to obey one law. The law of sin and death. It's all that existed. They were forced to obey the law of condemnation. That's all that existed. But then Jesus came. He died in our place. He paid for our sin. He, here, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world. And God makes a new covenant. He says, I will put my spirit upon all mankind and I will write my laws on their heart. And so now, there's no excuse. We get to choose now whether we obey the law of sin and death or obey life and righteousness and peace. And this is all subject to how you interact with the Holy Spirit. Your mind, your mind, your spirit, your soul. Every decision you make, you get to choose, Holy Spirit, how do you want to react through this? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? Or you can obey the law of, of death and sin. And I'm going to show you how to react. I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to get this thing done. And we produce sin. And sin produces death in our lives, in our children, in our marriages, in our businesses. Sin always produces death. That's just what it does in our bodies. Or we can obey always completely because Jesus Christ has empowered us with the Holy Spirit to obey the power and the law of righteousness and peace. This is, this is what we're going to argue with tonight. This is what every Christian is wrestling over. I need one more reader. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever nat natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love he is so rich in compassion mm. and mercy. Hallelujah. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ. 
and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ and exalt, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Do we get this? This is past tense. This is past tense. It's done. It's done. And his fullness fills you. Done. Even though you once were dead corpses, dead in your sins and offenses, it wasn't that long ago that you lived for religion and obeying all these laws. I mean, he's going after this, and then he just puts the cap on top. Because of God's love for us, because of his great love, because of his rich mercies, we are united in every way with the life of Christ. He has raised us up with Christ and, ex and the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realms. Oh my gosh, Lord, give us this <laughs> revelation. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Co-seated in authority, in dominion, in power, in holiness, in righteousness. The battle we're facing is not trying to get better. The battle we're facing is not trying to stop sinning. There's a lot of Christians out here trying to get better. There's a lot of Christians out here trying to stop sinning. Trying to wrestle with like, ah, I just gotta keep doing better. I gotta keep getting closer to God. He's in you. It's not, you can't get any closer. <laughs> it's not about getting closer. There's whole, there's whole de dom denominations trying to get into the presence of the Lord. Find the glory. What if you are his glory and you just need to live like it? You just need a real revelation. What if you have his presence because he said so and Jesus paid for it and if you're not living in that reality, how does that make God feel? That he gave you everything and you're just saying, I need it, but it's not here. I need more. Haven't I given you everything? So wake up and live in it. Wake up and fight in it. Wake up and surrender to it. It's really about surrender. We don't want to surrender to it. We don't want to surrender because we feel bad. We feel icky. Oh, Josh, you have no clue what I did with my life. Well, you have no clue what Jesus did for your life. I'm just telling you. I don't care about your past. I do because I care about you. I love you. But I don't care about your sin past. It doesn't control you. It doesn't label you. It's not who you are. I don't care about what you're going through. Jesus went through it all so that you can just live in freedom of his righteousness and his love. I know it's hard. He doesn't say this life's gonna be easy. He says, I'm gonna empower you by my Holy Spirit to live in the perfection of righteousness and love so that you can know the fullness of peace and joy and righteousness at all times, no matter the hell that you're going through. No matter the hell that comes after you and tries to break you and snap you and the devil that tries to tempt you. So, so here we are. This is, like, uh, this is like Adam and Eve. Glorious, beautiful, perfect, holy, pure Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve made some decisions. They chose, uh, instead of believing God's word, instead of believing who they knew they were and who God said they were, they would rather believe... Um, They, they would rather not believe that 
and think there's something more. So I'm going to say unbelief. There's some unbelief. Uh, there's, some, there's some fear. Fear. Uh, because I, maybe I'm not everything I could be because this snake just told me, this serpent just told me, like, you know, I, I could actually like be like God. Uh, so fear comes in. Unbelief comes in. Uh, passivity comes in because I didn't communicate. Adam didn't communicate the word of God to his wife correctly. And so now she's jacking everything up. And so, and then there's some sort of disconnect between, I mean, you name it. All of a sudden, their, their identity starts to change because of, and it all started with and rooted in the unbelief in God and, and in his word and who he said they were. And all of a sudden, they start to change. And, and I see this just as we are without Christ, you name it, anything that can change our identity from fear to unbelief to, to unrighteous anger to shame to sin to lust to identity in our job place, identity in my marriage, identity in you name it, we get filled up to the full with all this stuff that tries to tell us and to the world looks completely different than we used to. The glory's gone. The beauty's gone. There's just a bunch, we're just a pile of junk, if we're being honest. Sin, identity's misplaced. I don't feel valuable. I don't feel good enough. I'm not really valued. I'm not really loved. Uh, you name the lies we believe. I'm really scared. The world seems to be ending. I watch the news a lot. Whatever it is that fills you up, whatever it is that fills you up. And, and we think that the way to get rid of this, this is the old law. This is the law of sin and death. The way I get rid of my sin and the way that I change my identity and the way that I get closer to God is, you know, I just gotta like really work on it. I gotta work on it. So I stir it up a lot and I stir it up a lot. Like, ah, I gotta try to fight away sins and get rid of sins. And I'm stirring it and I'm stirring it and I'm stirring it. And you know what? Sometimes I stop sinning a little bit and sometimes I kind of reach out and I grab a little, a new piece of identity that, that leaves me and I'm like, man, okay, I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better, a little bit. Uh, and you know, I stopped sinning in that one way. That's, that's great, that's cool. But like we're left with this. And then as Christians, in this, in this state of like, you know, I still am a sinner, Josh. You know, but saved by grace, praise the Lord. And like, but I, I still make a lot of mistakes and you know, like, and I, and I don't really want to trust the Lord completely because, you know, he can't really handle money like I can and he can't really handle business like I can and he can't really handle, uh, you know, marriage like I can and he can't really handle my kids like I can. And so my identity is wrapped up in trying to do it better and trying to do it right and trying to do it perfectly and trying to get everything and I'm going to manage it all and I'm going to do it all and I'm going to be the power and I'm going to, and so we're still just kind of a shipwreck of anxiety and depression and, and sadness and loneliness and feeling unloved. And we're just this marred mess. And we think as Christians, and this is what we tell people a lot of time, is that, is that you know what? You just need the Holy Spirit. You just need to get saved. You just need to get saved. And so we get saved, right? And we come to Jesus and like, all right, Jesus, yeah, you take away all my sins. And so we, we get a little bit of Holy Spirit. And we say, all right, Jesus, you saved me. So now I have the Holy Spirit. So like, praise the Lord, I just got some Holy Spirit in there, and now that I got the Holy Spirit, you know, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to do better. <laughs> I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to like, well, I'm going to try to yield to you, I'm going to try, but like, I still really hold my finances with a closed fist, and I still really hold my marriage with a closed fist, and I still really, this sin issue, like, I'm actually just going to cover it up and hide it, because it's way too gross, 
whatever it is, we're still this mess. And we still see ourselves like this. And what, the, what all we have read tonight about the glory of God is that when the Holy Spirit fills you, when you surrender your life fully and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not about you doing better. It's not about you fighting harder. It's not about you trying more things and going to more conferences and reading more sermons. He says, at the moment of salvation, when you trust in me and when you believe in me, and when I come into you as the perfection of holiness and as the perfection of my glory, all I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna put my Holy Spirit in you and I'm gonna fill you and I'm gonna fill you and you're gonna be filled to the full with the radiance of Jesus Christ and with the fullness of Christ and you're gonna be seated in the glory of Jesus Christ and I no longer see you as an enemy but I see you as a friend and as a child and as a king and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all that we are in Christ is perfect and holy and righteous and we didn't try any harder and we didn't, we didn't work on it anymore. This is who you are. You may see yourself in that old way filled with all this stuff and you may see yourself distorted, but it's not truth. And all that the devil's trying to do with Christianity right now is tell you that you're that old thing filled with all this uckiness. When Jesus is saying, this is who you are, and when this is who you are, and you know that this is who you are, and my glory fills you, and my holiness fills you, and my righteousness fills you, and you're my perfect, spotless bride, radiant with the image of Jesus Christ, I don't care what sin comes at you. I don't care what tries to touch you. It's not in you, and it's not sticking to you. It's not who you are. It has no part in you anymore. There's nothing that can fill you but Christ because you are in him, you're a new creation, you've been born again, and you're free to live in the life-flowing righteousness of the Holy Spirit at all times. Nothing tells you anything else but God and his word that you are my beloved child and you are nothing else but pure and holy and perfect. And to the degree that you feel like you're incapable to get rid of that sin or you're incapable to over, overcome this different issue, I'm not gonna tell you to try harder to get rid of it. I'm gonna, try, I'm gonna tell you to try harder to just see me more and me in you. Because to the degree that you see me in you, you're gonna know that it can't touch you and you're not gonna let it master you. So when that thing comes and says, I'm here, unrighteous anger, I control you every time a driver cuts you off. And you say, no, you don't control me. Christ's love controls me. I'm filled with the fullness. You can't touch me. I'm here. You're inadequate. You're unable. You're a terrible mother. Your children are terrible little brat losers. And it's all because of you. And your identity is caught, your identity's caught up in it. And you say, no, it's not because Christ is in me. And he's the perfection of, of his love is in me. And I'm the radiance and glory of God. And you know what? It's not up to me to produce my children. It's up to God to produce my children. And I'm gonna give my best by faith in the son of God, but it's not me. It is only Christ who's gonna produce any children in this earth that have any good and glory in Jesus Christ. It's not me. You're not touching me. I know who I am. I'm filled and so when people in the New Testament prayed for the filling and the extra filling of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't that they were wanting more water. It was that, and just picture this because I don't want to make a huge mess. It was that they wanted the overflow. 
Because when you start to overflow, it's one thing to have your identity in Christ. It's one thing to be totally free from sin. Sin can't touch me. Nothing that's Christ can touch me. You can't. This is Jesus. It's one thing to have your identity in Christ, but it's another thing to beg God for the flow of his Holy Spirit so that now, not only does it touch you, but it touches other people. So when I keep pouring this and it overflows, eventually it's gonna touch you guys. <laughs> I looked at all the Facebook posts last week of all my friends' basements who were flooding. And when it rains, it rains, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so when you get so filled up with the Holy Spirit, it's not that you're getting a new identity, that you're trying to get rid of sin, it's that now I know who I am in Christ, and I want a filling of the Holy Spirit so that other people can know who they are in Christ because they need to be touched by the same thing. So it's gonna overflow, and it's gonna touch everything, and it's gonna get everybody wet, and there's nothing they can do about it. Because when I walk into King Supers, people get loved. I'm sorry, they just get loved because Jesus is here. You can't avoid it, sorry. When I go to the bank, you're just gonna get loved even when you mess up my paycheck thing because there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus is here and he loves you and he doesn't see you as the flesh. He doesn't see you in the flesh. I now no longer, uh, what's, the, what's uh, Paul say, uh, regard anyone according to the flesh but only according to the spirit. So I don't see you as the person who jacked up my paycheck. I see you as the person who just needs love and who maybe is radiant in love because you are a Christian who doesn't believe the fullness of who Christ is in you, and so you're making careless mistakes because, because you haven't just walked in the freedom of Christ's righteousness to perfect you. And I don't know, but you probably just need encouragement. You probably just need blessing. You probably just need lifted up and hugged. Maybe you just need a hug. I'm gonna jump over the bank desk. I wouldn't, I wouldn't approve this message. Jump over the bank desk and just hug you because sometimes you just need a hug and need to know that God cares and that he's in you and he doesn't indwell anything that's not perfectly holy and awesome. <sighs> we gotta get this, Christians. We gotta get this. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm, we're only a couple minutes over, but I wanna hand around the mic and see if you have any testimony or a question about where this resonates with you. Um, testimony, questions, how does this resonate? Right over here. We've got. Yeah, hey, I'm Jordan. Um, this is just a trip. Um, for the past couple of weeks, like, I've always carried around, like, if there's one thing I know, it's not okay to be me. Um, and so I loathe myself most of my life, right? Mm. Um, and uh, so I've been praying. Um, sorry, I get anxious on the mic. But uh, I've been praying, like, hey, God, get me out of the way. Fill me up with your love. Don't even know what that means, but yeah. fill me up with the book. Um, and uh, he showed me just images of me as a kid, and he's like, hey, he found me something. He showed me something that I kind of liked about me as a kid. Um, it's kind of missing in my adulthood. <laughs> um, he showed me something, and, you know, I really, I, I cherish it. And from there, there's just been a calm and a love since then. And it's got to be the Holy Spirit. And since then, he's been healing physical injuries and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I could go on, but this yeah. is a short share. Yeah. A short share. Yeah. Um, me and my wife went on a hike, and that story's crazy, crazy, crazy. It's too long of a story to share right now. Um, got to really help somebody out. Um, but just yesterday, um, <laughs> um, you know last week you talked about that Holy Spirit smell thingy? Yes, um, the aroma. <laughs> yes. All right, so I'm, I'm trying out this, it's okay to be me, and it ain't me, it's God thing. And uh, even if I'm being a curmudgeon as usual, hey, that's how it is. 
that's just, I accept it. God loves me. And God's been challenging me for months. He's just like, sit in my love. Just sit in it. And I'm like, what does that even mean? He's just sit in it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. Nothing. And things have just been dropping off, you know, character defects and all kinds of stuff, injuries, all kinds of stuff. And, and he challenges me again, just sit in it. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, (laughs) and, uh, and I'm a truck driver and, uh, um, and, uh, I'm getting out of work yesterday and I'm, I'm filling up my car and, uh, I come out of 7-Eleven, I got a donut and and a soda in my hand and I'm covered in cement dust and trust me, I don't smell good. Um, and this, this, I don't know, bum looking guy. Um, from across the parking lot just starts screaming at me, like right at me. Um, and he's, he's not saying words. He's saying something strange. I mean, it's right at me. And normally I'd take it personally and do something weird, like start cursing at him back and like throw a rock at him or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and instead, what immediately happened was this inaudible voice going, hey, it's that smell. It's that Holy Spirit smell. And, and whatever's going on with him, maybe he's possessed, maybe something, whatever's going on, he's screaming at that Holy Spirit. It's not you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, strangest validation I've ever had. You know, we, as Christians, we get some strange validation, <laughs> yes. that's for sure. Yes. Um, you know, I, and I just, I, I'm able to go about my business and not get it mixed up in this worldly world as, as we, I call this, <laughs> you know, this world is strange, but that reflection that you're talking about that, that we get mixed up in, you know, I get mixed up. I, I, I project all those insecurities that I'm used to wearing, you know, on my sleeve all the time. Yeah. I project that onto people all the time. Um, and I could, could have projected onto this poor soul that was, God knows what he was screaming at, but it was at me. And, uh, you know, those inaudible voices in our faith, mm-hmm. that, that's those, those are the moments we live, or at least I live for as Christian, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that guy disappeared after that, which is wow. creepy. Um, yeah. But uh, I was able to go about my business. And that's all I ever want, instead of getting mixed up in the chaos, you know. Yeah. But it was that smell, man. <laughs> you know? So anyway, Praise that's enough the out Lord. of it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Any any other comments or questions? or How is this resonating with you, this reality of who you are? right here. Um, I was just thinking about um, a teaching that we had listened to recently um, from Elijah House in our house church, um, and they were talking about Da Vinci and when he um, carved the statue of David, and it was asked of him, like, how did you take this block of stone and create the image of David? And he said, all I did was chip away everything that wasn't him. Um, And just the way that that like resonates with me through this is just when we think about um, our sin issues um, and our identity and those things that we, we oftentimes view as really hard work. Um, I think those things that just kind of like those ping pong balls, those things that pile on us um, as we go through life and how it's, it's not about the work of us becoming something new it's just about surrendering and letting yeah. god just chip those things back away yeah. until that perfect image is revealed again come on amen 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 we're not trying harder to do right we're trying harder to see that we are right <laughs> god's just trying to open our eyes up and you live from that place of freedom and righteousness that's so good what a great illustration yes 
Hey, I'm Lauren. Um, I, when, what is really um, like jumping in my mind and kind of my experience of the Holy Spirit and my walk with him is just, you know, the picture of you like throwing the orange ball at the water. Um, because I think what is most relevant to me is, is that there's so many things like when you are walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit, there are things that don't fit. And there's still my impulse to walk in those things. Like, it's still there. I still have the impulse to do all these things I shouldn't do or to feel all these things I shouldn't feel, but they don't fit. And I think probably the most frequent thing that I hear the Holy Spirit say to me is that that's not me. It's like I'm driving down the car and I'm filled with anxiety thinking about something and the Holy Spirit's like, I'm not anxious. That's not me. It doesn't fit you. And so my response is like, okay, God. You're right. You're not anxious. What are you? Who are you? How, what do you, what do you want to show me that I don't know? Cause my impulse is to behave this way or my impulse is to behave in anger. And the Holy Spirit's like, that's not me. I'm like, okay, you're right. You're not angry. You're not short tempered. You're not impatient. Like you are patient. I'm still those things. I still have those impulses, but they don't fit anymore. And it's like, as soon as they come into my life, I know they don't fit. I'm uncomfortable with them. I can't, I can't hold on to them. I can't sit in them because they don't fit. Yeah. Come on. That's a good word. Nothing fits anymore. Doesn't fit in here. Wow. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's for Lord. Come on. Um, I just was thinking as, as you asked that question, I think that some people, and, and I don't know if somebody needs to hear this right now, some people do something because it's what everybody else is doing. Um, and so you get anxious because everybody else gets anxious or you get mad at a situation because that's what everybody else does. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're walking in that, um, it actually is weird to the world to, to not take that ping pong ball, let it soak into you, yeah. but to let it bounce off like that. Yeah. What a great illustration that was, Joshua. Yeah. Um, because... That is weird to the people of this world. And so when somebody cuts you off and you're even with two or three other people in the car and you're like, hey, bless you. Everybody else in the car is like, what are you doing? Why aren't you getting super mad? And so you get into the pattern of just doing what everybody else does, right? And so I just want to encourage everybody that when you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you like that, it's going to be weird for other people to see. And, and just because everybody else might get affected by a certain way, that does not mean that you need to be affected that way when the Holy Spirit is in you. It doesn't mean you parent a certain way. It doesn't mean whatever it is, you allow the Holy Spirit to lead that and then be okay with the weirdness that that's going to be for everybody else around you. Yeah, amen. We are going to look a lot different. We're going to look a lot different in this world. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Any last comments or questions? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your liberating truths. And thank you most of all for your son Jesus, what he accomplished for us, in us, and now through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Would we see ourselves full of the Holy Spirit always? And would you overflow us, Lord, in our, in our um, yieldedness, to who we are, in our yieldedness to what you say, in our yieldedness to who you are, that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory. 
Father, we yield to this right now with all of our faith. And we praise you that we have this opportunity to be in you and through you and with you to carry you to everyone else on earth. (sighs) Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. We pray this in your awesome name. Amen.